Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome to The Daily Drive. I'm so incredibly glad that you are here today. This interview that we're going to get to do today is with Jeffrey Palermo. And Jeffrey Palermo is the CEO and founder of Clear Measure. This interview really reminds me of how incredibly blessed I am. And I think you should definitely plan on listening to this interview uh, in its entirety. So this is going to be part one and I'm Sure, by the time this is done, they'll be breaking it into a second one and there'll be a part two and you need to listen to both of them. We're going to get going with Jeffrey right now. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great. Great. Good to be here. How are you, sir? Best day of my life. And I say that every time and my audience knows that story. So yesterday's in the history books. I can't do anything about it. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. In the middle of the show, a meteor may fall through the ceiling and it's and it's over. Today's the only day of my life. And so crazy enough, Henry Ford said that if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. And mm-hmm. so if I don't believe it's the best day of my life, it won't be. It just stands yeah, to a chance. Good point. You are the CEO of Clear Measure. Tell me about Clear Measure. A few years ago, 2016, I believe it was, uh, we we topped the Austin, Texas list. There's an Austin Fast 50 for the fastest growing private companies uh, in Austin. And we, we, we got number one on that list in 2016. But we're a DevOps-centered software engineering company. We're based in Texas, but we're spread out across the U.S. serving uh, full North America. And we focus on Microsoft and cloud platforms and enabling our clients' development teams to be absolutely world-class and and self-sufficient. When you said we're a DevOps software engineering center, what does that mean? Well, DevOps is certainly a new methodology that's come in the wake of of agile software development. But but essentially, in layman's terms, here's the the macro trend that's happening across the industry – uh, there's there's a huge explosion in software development. It used to be, oh, you're a high-tech company, so you have software developers. Now, every company of every type is hiring software developers and realizing that their competitors are building some type of software to help compete. And so it's just mm-hmm. become a necessity. And there's been so many more software developers coming through the education system that uh, you know we had some stats from last year that we were looking at our industry, as far as number of years of experience, is not a bell curve anymore. If you have zero to five years of experience in the industry, you make up the majority of the heads in this field, just because there's been so many coming into the industry. So from a leadership perspective, from a management perspective, you just have to recognize that about the workforce. And it's, it's not good or bad, it's just what is. I mean, Hugely right. talented, motivated, smart people coming in the industry, but they are a little bit on the young side. So as a leader, when you're putting together your development team, you need to put in place an environment so that they can really succeed. And most companies, especially the ones that are not high tech, are, are probably not able to hire 
the more seasoned veterans like, like you know, Google, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. Today, every company is a software company, whether they want to be or not because of the, the, you know, the internet and everything that they need to do to be able to interact with their customers. If they're not a software company, they're not competing at all. They're just, they're not because their competitors are. So you're saying, hey, look, uh, we need to have an environment that uh, it, it breeds success for these young and it is what it is. Like you say, it's not bad or good. It's just a thing. There's such a demand. And by the way, you, you probably would agree, the large companies, the Googles of the world, uh, and not just that, you know, excessive, man, they suck up the talent really quick. So uh, you're, you are the, especially the really experienced talent. So the pool that's left is that younger generation may not have as much experience. Right. But you know what we, what we found is that there's a lot of companies that work with where, you know, the, uh, the developers have been in the field for 10, 15 years. And what we do is just as, just as necessary because there's always technical trends that are changing. And we focus day in and day out about how to equip teams to be world-class and they're focusing on their business. I mean, we, we worked with a close to a billion dollar logistics companies. And, and I mean, they operate well, warehouses, taking materials off of, off of rail cars and repackaging huge physical operations. And they have a development team of three people. And so, you know, you have these massive, significant companies with lots of data, lots of operations, and maybe, maybe there's some computers or some sensors that need to happen, need to be in the warehouse pulling in information or, or controlling things like uh, automated operations on, on dairy farms. And, and it's normal, normal company stuff. It's computers have invaded the low tech as well. Oh, yeah. Which actually, that's a, that's a misnomer because automated dairy farms are pretty darn high tech these days. Your point's well taken. What, what might be perceived as low tech or, you know, not involving a lot of, uh, from the outside world going, you don't need computers to do that. Highly automated uh, and a lot of uh, efficiency gained from having that software involved these days. What makes your DevOps better than your competitors? So... In the field in general, that you can generalize it to be software professional services, and certainly there's a whole lot of consulting companies out there, and you say, hey, I need some help in the broadest sense with some custom software, and, and of course there's a big divide in the industry on software that's that's built using uh, Microsoft platform technologies, and then ones that are, that are built using more um, Linux platform or uh, Java stack, JavaScript, and... Um, there's, there's companies that are staffing companies and they want to place a person in your organization and their goal is to place them in there. And once they land, they're going to be there for a long time. Then there's another category that are the, that are the dev shops. They want you to outsource a project to them. They want to build you an app. They want to build you a piece of software and deliver code, but that kind of creates codependency. You're then relying on them. And, and mm -hmm. then we are, we are a firm that is an enabler. When we go in and take take on a particular job or role, we want to work ourselves out of that job. Our goal is to come in and then make the team self-sufficient, to equip that team. We don't want to come in and fish for our client's team. We want to come in and teach them how to fish. And then, and then we're done. Now, of course, we do that, and then we move on to the next team, or they have another problem, and we're constantly enabling them. Sure. And there's so many teams that... that 
you know, we're not actively serving today that we've enabled and launched. Um, so it's, it's really fulfilling to see that because, you know, that's what they want to, they want to, they want to, they want to be the hero. They want to be able to accomplish things for themselves. Every company nowadays is a software company, whether they realize it or not, you just are giving them the ability to be that and putting the tools and, and personnel in place and, and systems in place to have them be successful at that. But you're there to support them. Even if they graduate from you, you're there to support them down the road. Yeah. And our goal is for them to graduate from us. But uh, you know, the other thing that, that differentiates us is that we wrote the book on the topic. Um, and the book is .NET DevOps for Azure. Uh, just do a Google search or I have a bit.ly link, bit.ly slash .NET DevOps book. And uh, we released it in May. It's working its way through the distribution channels. So you wrote the book on it. Right. The book is .NET DevOps for Azure. And it, it provides a, a prescriptive model for highly effective software engineering. And I reckon DevOps is, as a methodology, has a lot of great stuff in it. We're doing tons of work in that area. But I do recognize that, you know, definitely 10 years from now, we're not going to be talking about DevOps so much. It'll be assumed we'll be on to the next thing. Just like 10 years ago, everybody was talking about this thing called Agile. And, and so, but at the same time, it's a, it's a nonstop constant that every software development team wants to be world-class. They want to be highly effective. They want to be productive and produce software that's of high quality. So that never goes out of style. And that's, that's what the book is about. It gives a prescriptive model. Um, and uh, we're, we're, even people don't hire us. They can just follow along in the book and, and get a lot of value. This is a really interesting story. So I told you at one point we're going to pivot and talk about you personally. The first question into the pivot, though, is how'd you get into this? What was a genesis moment for you to begin this? Uh, well, I've always wanted, I've, I've always been a teacher. That's my whole life. Uh, I like, like helping people. Um, I've, I've written three books prior to this one, uh, but they were more technology focused. And so they didn't, ha didn't have a very good shelf life because they're tied to a particular technology as opposed to a way of thinking. Um, and I've been a computer programmer now for 22 years and even when I was a teenager, uh, I told everybody, yeah, I want to, I want to start a business. And so that was kind of in me from being a teenager. I liked helping people. I liked teaching. I taught various classes, you know, from a very young age. And now, you know, my, my age starts with a four now. And, um, <laughs> I'm kind of translating all that into just the day <laughs> always, right. Your motto, always young, right. Always you tell young. Yourself you're, you're young. Old, you're right. Yeah, that's a fact. If you believe you can, or you believe you can't, you're right. If you believe that's you're right. young, you believe you're old, you are. That's right. That's so true. I'll, I'll never be old. I'm only one year away from when my number started with a four. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mine starts with a five now. I just hit the big five out. Um, <laughs> it's, it's no big deal. It was just another day. Uh, it really is. In a single word, characterize your life as an entrepreneur. Learn. Learn. I love it. You're a teacher, and it's a, there's a common thread here. Um, married or single? Married. How long? 17 years, three kids now. Oh, three kids. Uh, awesome. 17 years. You're, you're one of the ones that belong to the long-term club, kind of like me. Three kids, boys, girls. Uh... I've got a middle school girl, and then an elementary boy, and then an elementary girl. 
you are in the fun stages of parenting for real. Um, that is the, yeah, that is the best time, man. Um, star Wars. Go ahead. My six year old girl just graduated. We took, we took the training wheels off of her motorcycle. So she's really excited about that. Wow. Did you say motorcycle? Six year old girl motorcycle? Yeah. Yamaha PW 50 little motorbike off road. We took the training wheels Way off. Way cool. She loves that thing. So is that something you guys do as a family, motorbiking? Uh, all, except for my wife. Um, she 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 just lets us do it. She doesn't really care about it. But it, <laughs> I, I've loved motorcycles ever since I was a kid. And so um, after, a, after a couple of street accidents, I switched to dirt. And that's something I can do with the kids. And they got little bikes and dirt bikes and four-wheelers. We live, we live out in the country, so we have you know, space to roam. And it's, it's really fun. Technology these days gives us the ability to do all these kinds of things wherever we want to. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither. <laughs> Neither. A Neither. Technology guy. Really? All right. What do you have? Uh, are you in the? Uh, are Are you into any uh, kind of movie slash television genre that's your thing? Uh, you know, I, I, my my hobby is learning new things, and so if I have. If I have a spare moment where you think, oh, a disposable time, sit in front of the TV. If I'm watching videos, it's typically videos that are more seminars in nature or uh, you know, learning new topics. I used to, but I don't anymore. Everything is now YouTube. I, I pick what my subject matter. I consume in 10 or 15 minutes, and then I move on. I, I too, love the idea of learning. When I did watch television, I, I used to love watching the History Channel internal, until it turned into some kind of reality television, um, and that doesn't appeal to me at all. Right. Well, that's a that's a strategic decision. I mean, if if uh, it's not it's not hard once you, once you sit down on the couch, it's not hard to say, oh shoot, I just spent two hours watching TV this evening, and now it's time to go to bed. And I mean, that's that's over ten percent of your waking hours in the day, if that happened. And so, you know, I, I challenge anybody listening to just catalog where you're spending your time in your day. And, and actually before you do that, decide what would be effective, what would be an effective way to spend your waking hours and then see, and, and then see what you need to do to, to make that happen. I think we'll be surprised at how much time we give to things that we wouldn't call a priority. There you go. That was the end of the first segment of an interview with Jeffrey Palermo of Clear Measure. Part two is going to get really, really good. So make sure you tune in tomorrow on The Daily Drive and listen to the second part of our interview with Jeffrey Palermo, the CEO of Clear Measure. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, That Company. Why is That Company the white-label digital marketing provider for some of the biggest agencies in the industry? Because we get results, we retain clients, and we deliver profitability. Visit www.thatcompany.com to find out how we can make your agency more profitable.
If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be possible without the Daily Drive Show team, executive producer Rob the Hitchhiker Young, web guru Taj Royer, and the audio man with the plan, Shoddy. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow.